The following audio is from the Grove Church Marysville campus. For more information about our church or to listen to previous sermons, check out our website at grove.church. Uh, it's funny, uh, as we get started today, um, uh, if I haven't met you before, my name is Ryan. I'm one of the pastors, very luck- lucky pastors on staff uh, here at the Grove. And uh, my first time up on the roof, and I'll tell you, this is definitely a different experience. I know this is different for all of you as well, different than being in the auditorium together. This is different up here as well. In fact, uh, this is a not an original idea necessarily uh, that we had. Uh, it's something that uh, a church called Crystal Cathedral did way back in the 60s, actually met at a drive-in church uh, of all places. And I was reading, this is kind of funny, I throw this out there as a freebie, it has nothing to do with the message today, but um, they had different things that you could do in your car to signify your engagement during the service, right? There was like, if you flashed your brights and your lights, was like kind of like raising your hands and saying, you know, you know that, that you're there. If you honked your horn, a little tap on the horn was like saying amen like you would in a service. And, and one of them I thought was kind of funny is if you if you were like, you know, if the Holy Spirit was moving on you and God's moving on your heart and you're kind of tearful, you could like do your windshield washer, you know, put it on your thing and it would signify. I'm not saying you have to do any of that today, but uh, I just thought it was kind of funny uh, as I was going through that. But uh, excited to be here and, and glad that you're here. The first thing I simply want to say uh, before we dive in today, is this. I just want to say thank you. I want to say thank you to each and every one of you that called the Grove Church home, that you have hung in there with us through all of these changes as we've had to pivot and adapt and change uh, to, to the different rules that have come out over the last few months. I mean, we were regular services, and then the ver- first Sunday we, we just did online, and then, of course, we did drive-in for two weeks after that, and then we couldn't do drive-in anymore, and then we were online only, and, and now we're back to drive-in again. So I just want to say thank you for hanging in there, and to be honest with you, it's not just the church uh, that's had to adapt and change and pivot, right? Every single one of us is is having to do that in our own lives. Every one of us is learning a new normal um, over the course of these last few months. And I just want to say uh, thank you for that. And of course, we're in a series called Welcome to the Jungle. And this was a series that was planned before COVID hit and all that stuff. Just the idea that life can be crazy, right? That Like that song, Welcome to the Jungle. Like it's just between work and if you've got a family and if you've got kids and, and um, just the busyness of life or school or whatever it is, just sometimes feels like a jungle, just kind of crazy. Um, and certainly I think we've experienced that even in new ways all of us over the course of the last few months. And uh, I do want to say this, for some of you that are here, you might be feeling a bunch of different emotions and and not all of us would feel them exactly the same. Each of our situations are unique, Um, but maybe you're here today and you're feeling frustrated. Maybe you're just frustrated with the situation, frustrated with what's happening, frustrated that you're stuck at home if that's you, frustrated that you're furloughed or laid off from your job, frustrated with politics, frustrated with the state government or the national government. Maybe you're frustrated, and I have a word for you before we even start today, or maybe that emotion that you're feeling is you're scared. You know, maybe it's the worry of not knowing what tomorrow is going to bring and when will this end and is it going to get worse before it gets better. Maybe you're facing financial hardship like never before. I mentioned it before, maybe you're furloughed from your job or you're laid off or maybe you've lost your job or maybe you're a business owner or, or uh, some form of, of management where you've had to lay people off and make hard decisions and that's hard if, you, if you're a lover of people to do that knowing how it's going to affect their family or maybe you're worried and wondering if your business is going to make it through this or not. Maybe you're just a grandma or a grandpa or a nana, or a papa, or a pop-pop, or whatever you call it in your 
family and maybe you're just sad. You just, you can't be with your grandkids. You can't be with your kids. And, and certainly in this time, you know, maybe you've done through the window or the, or a drive-by where the family comes by and waves or you play games. In fact, my wife took our kids. Uh, I've got a 10 year old, a seven year old and a five year old. And my wife's parents live in Duval and she drove all the way out there. It's about an hour from here, give or take 45, 50 minutes or so. And, uh, early on with this, it was like playing games through their window by the front door, like tic-tac-toe with dry erase markers. And maybe Maybe you're just in that place where you just miss being with family. Certainly this weekend is usually a weekend of celebrating where there's barbecues and togetherness and maybe that weighs heavy on you today. Or maybe you're a parent of students or children and maybe the, it's in the place where, man, you're having to wear, if it's your context, the spouse hat and the parent hat and the teacher hat and the, the work hat and all of these things and just the stress level is high. Wherever you're at in this scenario, I just want to give you a, a, a message quickly of hope. And I'm going to quote a line from a song that we sing many Sundays that just says this, take courage, hold on, be strong, remember where your help comes from that in the midst of that stress in the midst of that craziness remember that we've got somebody and our god and our savior who's not taken by surprise with this it's not like he's sitting up in heaven like oh covid didn't see that one coming right he knows it and and i don't want to make light of our situation but for centuries believers have gone through hardships like we're going through now and much worse and he's always there and so he's our source even like that song we sang at the very end of worship he is our foundation and we can look to him. He knows he is our source, but at the same time, we know that it's a jungle out there. And so we're going to dive in today. If you have your Bibles with you, I want to encourage you to take those out. Always encourage you to bring your Bibles. Even if you're in your car, you can still bring it with you. Maybe you've got your smartphone. You want to open up that Bible app. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, starting in verse 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, starting in verse 4. And as you're turning there, just to give a, a quick recap, um, in case you're joining us for the first time today or jumping in on this, this is First and Second Corinthians were letters that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, a church not that unlike our church. And, and, and in his writings, um, um, he's writing to a church um, that's very diverse, just like our church is diverse, right? It's made up of different peoples, different demographics, different uh, nationalities. These individuals and families had different ideas on things, different outlooks and experiences that they brought into it, and they didn't always agree. In fact, there were even quarrels and disagreements that the Apostle Paul had to uh, uh, bring up with them to challenge them with because these disagreements were starting to cause them to go off of mission. And in the church biz, for those of us that are pastors, right, we call that mission drift, that we have a purpose of where we're going, but, but, but quarrels and ideas and everything can end up drifting off of mission and getting away from what the purpose is. And again, if you're joining us for the first time and you don't know this, our mission is simple here at The Grove. Number one, our mission is to love God. It's all about first our relationship with him, knowing him, spending time with him, uh, spending time to listen to him, speak to us, bringing our needs and concerns to him. Love God, number one. Number two, connect with each other. It's about the relationships that we have with one another. And this is very different than the seats that you would sit in inside or the lobby that you would pass people by. But I just want you to look to your left for a moment. I know this might be awkward, but look to your left for a moment. Pretend like you're looking down the aisle of the seats. Look to your right for a moment, right? You've got people in front of you. You've got people behind you. You can wave. We used to do a meet and greet. We can't do that right now. So just wave to somebody around you, right? The idea is that we're meant to have a relationship with one another. So love God, connect with each other. And the third mission, major point of ours is to serve all. 
Why? Because Jesus came and served. He was a servant, not a conquering king, as many people thought he would be when he would come, but he came to serve and ultimately give his life, and so we serve in any way that we can. And so Paul's writing to this church, and let's be honest, Grove, we're not that unlike the Corinthian church. Hopefully, we're striving to be on mission, right? Certainly, we're multi-ethnic. We have different backgrounds, different political affiliations, right? So this message that we read applies as much to us today as it did to the church in Corinth. And I can guarantee you this, in these cars, as you look left and right and people in front of you and behind you, we don't all agree on every single issue that there is out there, do we? Right, there's different ones of us right now that we have different political affiliations. Right now, there are Republicans, there are Democrats, there are independents, libertarians all over the place. There are people that view, and this is a hot-button topic, certainly just this last weekend, is this idea that some of you right now might be thinking, man, we should be in that church right now sitting. This whole thing is fake. The government can't tell us what to do, and that might be your position. We might have people on the other end of that spectrum going, man, we gotta be safe. Like, let's, not, let's, let's try to use wisdom through this. We're all believers. We believe in Jesus, yet we might disagree on some of these issues. And in that same way, Paul was speaking to the Corinthian church because they were having these same types of situations happen for them. And so I love this passage of scripture in 1 Corinthians. In fact, if you've been to a wedding or many weddings, you often would hear pieces of this passage read and recited because it's powerful. But it's 1 Corinthians chapter 13, starting in verse four. It's what we've used for this series. And it's on a very crucial and important topic called Love, and this is what the Apostle Paul says. I want to read it to you, starting in verse 4. It says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered, and it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. Love never fails. Let's pray, God. We thank you for your word. God, we thank you that it's alive and well, that you gave us this resource that we call the Bible. And God, we know that that when your son Jesus sacrificed his life, and in that moment, it says that the veil was torn in two. The veil was the, uh, the signifier of the separation between man and sin and the holiness and, and the holy of holies where your presence was. And yet with the ultimate sacrifice, the final one that Jesus made, that veil was torn in two, which means we had direct access to you, that we now didn't have to go through a priest or a pastor, but we, through your Holy Spirit, could know you commune with you, speak with you, hear from you. But God, just like the FM transmitters that we're listening to this message through in a parking lot, we know that as we drive our cars and we get far enough away from a radio station, it starts to get staticky and it starts to cut out. We know that as we drive and if we go through mountain ranges, it starts to block that signal and sometimes it cuts out. And in that same way, God, life for us sometimes in being able to hear from you, stuff gets in the way. Mountains get in our way. Sin gets in our way. Not spending time with you gets in our way. The business of life gets in the way, and so that radio station, our connection to KGOD, gets interrupted, and yet you've given us our word, your word, the Bible, that we can always go back to. God, we pray that you would speak to our hearts today. We want to be different when we leave than when we came, in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen in your car. I'm trusting that you are doing There you go. There you go. Now, here's the deal. Oftentimes on a Sunday, we'll use several passages of Scripture 
to, to bring a, about an understanding of a biblical principle. And that's very, very good. In fact, I, I love the Bible. I went to Bible college. I am not an expert. Let me just completely say that to you right now. I don't know everything, but I love the complexity of the Bible, how you can pull on an idea and a thought, almost like if you imagine like a spider web, you pull on this idea in the New Testament and you can see how it affects and where it connects to uh, in the Old Testament, right? It's complex. But sometimes, and something I want to do today is uh, I just want us to focus on something very small and very short in this passage that we just read. Because I feel like sometimes, if you're like me, like the idea of engaging or the execution of reading scripture sometimes can easily go to quantity over quality. Anybody else ever been there before? Right, especially if you're doing the one-year Bible reading plan. Like I wake up some mornings like, man, I got five chapters I gotta read today, right? I'm not going over every single word and looking up the Hebrew and the Greek. I gotta gotta get through this. And so I get it. But sometimes I think that there's just a, a, a couple of verses or just one verse or, or, or maybe in just a few words that are enough that we could sit and chew on and try to process and wrestle through and apply to our lives. And so that's what I want us to do today, right? If you look at this list of what we just read, what love is, this is a definition of love, what we just read. There's a lot of things to that. And sometimes when the list is so big, it, 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 do you ever feel overwhelmed? I'm like, man, that's a big list. It's so big, like, where do I even start? And so sometimes when it's like that, it's like we don't even begin. It's almost like, you know, the information just comes in one ear and out the other. And so I just want us to focus today on one sentence. Actually, not even one whole sentence, just 11 words of what Paul says. And I want us to focus on it today. And I want us to focus on these 11 words this week from this Sunday to next and actually try to apply it to our lives And it's the second half of verse five. And speaking on love, the apostle Paul says this, it is not easily angered and it keeps no record of wrongs. I don't know if you know this or not, but love's kind of a big deal. Like it's kind of a big deal in the New Testament, right? This idea and this topic of love is not something small. It's not something like, yeah, I heard that before. Okay, I'm supposed to love my neighbor. No, this is kind of a big deal, right? Jesus several times, I'll give you a couple examples. In Mark 12, 28, A religious leader comes and says, okay, Jesus, well, what's the greatest of all the commandments? They knew the 10 commandments. They knew all the rules they were supposed to follow. And they say, what's the greatest commandment? And what does Jesus say? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And he said, the second is this, and equally as important, love your neighbor as yourself. Of course, he clarifies that even later in scripture. We call that the golden rule. He ups the ante. We call that the platinum rule. He says, you should love your neighbor as Christ loves you. And so love is kind of a big deal. If you're in your car right now, I'm gonna trust that you're gonna do this. If you're by yourself, just say it out. Or if there's somebody with you, just turn to them and say, love is a big deal. Come on, just say it. Say, love is a big deal. In John 13, 35, when he's talking to his disciples, Jesus clarifies that love is pretty important. He says, by this, love, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Come on, say love is a big deal. And so as you look at these just two simple ideas in these 11 words that we just read, I wanna ask you two questions. And I just want you to be honest with yourself. It's rhetorical, but I want you to, to, to ask yourself this question. Number one, are you easily angered? Are you someone, maybe it's in the, the height of the circumstances right now, are you finding yourself easily angered? Do the circumstances around you somehow become the excuse or the subconscious acceptable reason and justification for anger? 
is the shortness with others, the curtness or the quick to snap at those you love, quick to quit back on social media posts. Are you easily angered? I want to share and, and, and be transparent with you and confess my own scenario to you. And I want to say this is just my story for the last few months. I'm not saying that my story is better or worse or harder or easier than yours. I know that most likely some of you are facing much harder things than I am right now. But if I apply this to my life, let me try to be transparent in front of you today, is that some have asked over the course of the last few months, hey, Ryan, when it comes to work in church, like, like, how's it going for you? I mean, all the changes that you guys have had to make, how's that going for you? How's that affected you? Hey, how's working from home? I've even, I've even had people say, well, it must be nice to work from home. And I'll be honest with you, I'm very thankful that I still have a job because I know that that story is not exactly the same for all of you. That Some of you are facing some pretty tough circumstances. And I want to tell you this, I love my wife and I love my kids. I'm ready to go back to the office, people, okay? I'm ready to go back to the office, right? Working from home, hey, I'm grateful for it, but it's difficult. And somebody, as I was trying to explain to them, they said, is it more stressful now you know, than before all this happened and all these mandates and everything? And I said, you know, it's not necessarily more, it's just different. And maybe you're experiencing that too. I, I, relate, it, I relate it to maybe almost like working out. Like it's like working out a, a different set of muscles you haven't worked out in a long time. Like you can go do buys and tries and legs all day long, but as soon as you start doing something you haven't used before, that's really sore, right? It's just, it's different. And the crazy part for me, and I know this doesn't necessarily uh, uh, translate specifically to everybody who's here today, some of you maybe, the stressful part for me is that I used to be able to come to work and put on the work hat. And for whatever amount of hours I was here, I wore that hat. And then I could take that hat off and go home and put on the, the, sp you know, the spouse hat and then you know, put on the dad hat and then the, the, the teacher a little bit of homework hat, right? But now it's like, and maybe you're there, especially if you got young kids or, or students, it's like those hats are proverbial, just changing all the time. And you're just like stacking them on top of each other. There's like no separation, right? The stress temperature and the heat has been turned up for, for me. And I know for some of you as well. And I'll be honest with you. I want to confess today that I have found myself being much quicker to get angry with my wife, Adrian and with my kids who are 10, 7, and 5. But if I want to love my wife, if I want to love my kids as Jesus commanded, as we see Paul exhorting the church at Corinth, and I have to recognize this, and we all need to do this, if this relates to you at all, the antidote to this is to quickly recognize what it is and actively seek to rein in that anger. Be quick to repent and ask forgiveness. And for everybody in the family dynamic or in the work environment, because this plays out there too, if you're still working with coworkers and bosses and all that, is quick to offer more grace. First question, are you easily angered? Second question, coming out of this 11 words that we read, from verse five is, are you finding yourself keeping and replaying the record of wrongs to those you love or those around you? I am really, no, I'm really good. I'm really good keeper, rememberer, and bringer upper of past wrongs, right? 
Man, when I was younger, it got me in trouble all the time. I have a pretty good memory. I know that sounds like I'm gloating, but I'm just trying to be transparent with you. Um, in fact, to give you an example, like I never took music classes. I didn't go to you know college to take music theory and all that stuff. I was a worship pastor. Many of you know that uh, in a previous lifetime. Um, I just learned music by picking it up, memorizing chords and chord structures and music theory and things like that. I'm not the greatest out there. I, I consider myself a hack, to be honest with you, but I was able to learn those things just because I have a good memory. But when it came to this idea of bringing up past wrongs, I would get in arguments with buddies of mine when I was growing up, and my best friend, one of them, said, man, I hate getting in an argument with you because you remember every detail of every conversation we've ever had, what I said, how I said it. You could, like, repeat it verbatim, right? And he goes, you kind of hold it over my head, and that's not necessarily a good trait. And to be honest with you, I still find myself doing that at times with my wife, Adrian. And trust me, she'll let me know when I'm doing it, as she should. But here's the truth. I'm very competitive. Anybody else competitive? I'll tell you, when I'm in an argument, yeah, here are a couple of honks of people being honest. The rest of you are liars. It's fine, right? But I'm competitive, and that competitive nature, ever find it come out for you in an argument? Like, I can be in an argument halfway through and realize I'm wrong or I missed a point, but I just don't want to lose the argument, so I just keep arguing, right? Anybody else? So so the, the truth is, though, is is... I will bring up things going, yeah, but you did this and you did that. And I can remember this conversation and you're always, you never say you're sorry. I'm always the first, right? And I bring these things back up. Why do we do that? Because Paul admonishes us and the church at Corinth not to do that. That's not what love is. We have one major thing in common, every single one of us. We probably have a lot of things in common, but one for sure is that we are men and women in need of a savior. Every single one of us has sinned. We have messed up. We have missed the mark. We have been greedy. We have been selfish. We've been addicted to things. We've made bad choices, right? All of us have done these types of things. And pause for a moment. For those of us that are 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, it's easy to kind of go back to, well, those were my teenage years, right? We just kind of do that time framed as an excuse. Ah, when we laugh about it, oh, my college years, I sowed my wild oats. That's what everybody does. But if we stop for a moment and really think about the things that we've done in relation to to God and his forgiveness and his grace that he's extended to us, man, it, it makes me stand and should cause us to stand in awe that he would do that for us despite what we've done and maybe what we're still involved in from time to time where we miss that mark. And the reality is this, there's a couple passages of scripture in Isaiah 43 and Hebrews 10, 17 and Jeremiah 31 34, God speaks to this issue, and I'm going to bring it up. Hold with me for a second. He says this. He says, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. It's not that he forgets them. He's God. He knows all things. His point is, I don't bring them back up. Once you've asked for forgiveness, when you've, once you've been asked for grace, it's gone. I don't, I don't bring those things back up anymore. And I guarantee you, every one of us, if we face the sins of where we've been, if we realize, like the words from Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And some people, you might hear that word wretch and go, wow, Ryan, that's really strong. I mean, wretch? Okay, I've sinned, but come on, wretch. I oftentimes wonder if that word is not strong enough to describe us in our sin, and yet he offers us this grace and he doesn't bring it back up. And I don't know about you, but I'm very grateful God doesn't continue to bring up my past wrongs to me, but he offers grace freely. And that's the way that we should offer to those around us. What's the antidote to this, to this past wrongs? Because sometimes it plays out, well, you're the same, you're always like this, and you're still that way, you're, you, you, you always are this, or you're always, and we bring these things up in an argument, these past wrongs 
oftentimes to those that we love the most. What's the antidote? Allow more grace. Be quick to repent and quick to offer forgiveness. Remember that those around you are as stressed and feeling the strain of this new reality as much as you are. My kids get on my nerves real quick now. I could say, hey, don't do that. No, don't do it. Hey, I just told you not to do that. And five seconds later, they do it. I just told you not to do that. But I got to remember that they're in that same stress. They're feeling the difference. They're feeling not being able to be separated from me. We're together 24-7, right? I got to remember, we got to remember that others are going through that same thing or affected by that as well. And this week, I simply want to challenge all of us to focus, to pray, and lean into these two specific areas of becoming and living up to that definition of love and love expressed to others. Come on, when you look at that list, the full thing that we read, love is patient. How you doing with that? Love is kind. How you doing with that? It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. How's that working out for you? It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking, which means it's not selfish. It's not easily angered, keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. That can seem like a daunting list. And for many of us, we could go home hearing all of that at once, like, I don't even know where to start. So I simply just want you to start with that it's not easily angered and it keeps no record of wrongs. Apply that to your life this week, to your social media posts. Apply it toward other believers who may not necessarily agree with every point that you may think with this world that we find ourselves in. Should we meet in church? Should we be together? Should we not? Can the state, can the government, all of those things towards other believers, let's be quick to recognize that the enemy would love to come in and get a foothold and bring division to us as believers, but we're on the same page. Offer more grace. Be quick to repent, to offer forgiveness. Don't allow the enemy to grab a foothold. Church, we are in this together. We love you. We will make it through. You're not alone. And God is the one that you can turn to in the midst of those circumstances and find help. Amen. Let me pray for you today. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this truth. We measure ourselves up next to this. Just these two simple ideas found in 11 words that are so powerful that when it comes to love, are we being easily angered to those around us? And not just our loved ones, certainly it starts there, but but even our neighbors and coworkers, right? Because Jesus said, you, you told us that it's that the people will know us by our love. So it's much more than just the people that know us intimately. And God, we don't wanna keep a record of wrongs and bring it back up on other people to win arguments in the moments of stress because we wouldn't want you to do that to us. You've forgiven us of so much, and we thank you for that grace in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Come on, I want to hear you say amen in your car. Okay, well, you can honk. There you go. Well, hey, we love you guys. I want to give you a couple quick directions as you take off. Uh, first, if you came prepared to give today with a cash or check, um, there are tables on your exit out that you can drop uh, bins on top of those tables that you can drop that there. Of course, you can continue to give online. Many of you have jumped onto that, which is so easy and simple at grove.church. Just click the give button. If you're joining us watching on Facebook Live, uh, there's actually a link for you right down in the comment section. It'd be this way. I pointed the wrong way. This way in the bottom of the comment section uh, that can take you there. We appreciate 
appreciate uh, your continued generosity and faithfulness during this time. Uh, also, last but, but very important, and we thank you for doing a great job with this over the weeks, is to follow the directions of the parking attendants as they try to get everybody on and off the campus quickly and safely, uh, especially if you're coming out this way through the neighborhood. We've mentioned this before, but we've got neighbors. I don't know about you, but if I had 100, 200, 300 cars coming by my house every single day, revving big diesel engines, peeling out, let's just drive slowly, obey the laws. Let's be courteous of our neighbors. All right. We, we thank you guys for doing that. That's all I got for you. We love you guys. We're so glad to see you and we will see you next week. Signing off. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Marysville Sermon Podcast. If you want to keep up with us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website at grove.church.